This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 263. There exists in the far reaches of the galaxy a band of adventurers who soar the gulf of time and space between movies. With their time-traveling starship, this group of retronauts passes through the decades at warp speed, embarking on strange and wondrous missions to explore the sci-fi and fantasy films of the 90s, 80s, 70s, and beyond. There's the seasoned and grizzled first mate, Steve McDonald, the eager and naive new recruit, Evan David, and the intrepid captain, Ben Avery. These are the Strangers and Aliens Retro Movie Missions. Mission 5, Crawl. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. This is a special retro movie mission that we are going on. I am Captain Ben. I have been joined by Ensign Evan. That's me. And Sergeant Steve. You got it. Here we are. Gentlemen. Yes, Captain. Our mission. Our mission this time is the 1983 sci-fi slash fantasy classic. Epic. Crawl. That is right. Crawl. Crawl. Hmm. Crawl. Ben has told me about this. If you know anything about this movie, it's because you've either seen it or you have seen the weapon that came from it. And that is the glaive. <laughs> the glaive. The which glaive. means beyond our time, beyond our universe, there's a planet be- besieged. besieged by alien, alien invaders, invaders where a young king must rescue his love from the clutches of... The beast, or risk the death of the world. Crawl. Crawl. That's the sound effect of the thing. A world light years beyond your imagination. Yeah. Now, I didn't see this movie until I was in college. But I knew of this movie because I got a calendar from McDonald's that had, like, <laughs> movie posters or something in it for, nice. the, for that year. And yes, I've never seen or heard anything about this until you told me about this. Ben. Yes. And so you have the glaive, the weapon you have. Well, I'm not going to say any more. Okay. You need to experience it. Yep. Looks like you need to experience this movie. 1983, which you'll note, uh, there's another sci-fi movie that came out in 1983, I believe. Return of the Jedi. Yep. Very yeah, little, little flick, little, Little movie. Um, So, okay, Ben, let me ask you some questions here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Is this movie better, in your opinion, or worse than Flash Gordon? Better. Oh, good. Better. (laughs) (laughs) But now Evan is trying to figure out what does he mean by that? I know, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) What does that mean? So by better... (laughs) Do you mean it's going to be more painful for me? And that's why you think it's better? (laughs) Um, Flash Gordon. Oh, man. I love this movie. Okay. I love this movie so much that I contacted, oh, what was the company? Yeah, Sony. I contacted Sony to ask them if I could try and get the rights to do comic books based on this this movie. Mm. What did they say? Wow. They were not going to 
put the money and time into getting the lawyers needed to look up the rights for this movie because it wasn't going to make them enough money to make it worthwhile. (laughs) They did tell me, um, I, at the time this was privileged special information, but they told me about the upcoming ghostbusters comic book that was coming out. Mm. Um, but that was, uh, we're talking like six, seven, eight years ago. Um, Now, if you put up the money for the lawyers, you think they would have done it? There's no way I could afford well, of course. the money to put but, up. <laughs> if I had put up the money, I'm sure they would have done it. Nice. The problem is there was a bank company in England that co-financed the movie. Mm. And so the question is, who owns the rights? Well, this bank company never produced another movie, hmm. as far as I can tell. And so when I contacted them, they were just like, we're not even going to mess with it. We're not even going to mess the with it. The bank company? No, the Sony, Sony mm-hmm. the, the representative in the rights department that gotcha. I talked to from Sony was just like, we're not even going to mess with this. And I mean, I, I was legitimately calling to find out. Right. But when it was a comic book, you know, it's just, well, right. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. well, well, okay. So not much else to say then. Should we just go down to the planet and yeah because i don't want to say anything more okay um i will say watch for liam neeson oh okay he's in this early early liam neeson um but yeah other than that i really don't want to say anything else because the stuff that happens you just need to be there and let it happen okay okay let it happen here Uh, we go it is a it is a different movie from flash gordon it is yes. very, very different from Flash Gordon. Okay, what was the other one we watched? We watched Black Hole. It's. Mm-hmm. I'd say I enjoy this bit more than Black Hole. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Labyrinth. I enjoy this more than Labyrinth. Okay. Because Labyrinth is entertaining. Labyrinth for me would be better than this. Um, I definitely enjoyed this more than Power Rangers, the movie. Oh, okay. Goes well, without saying. But that, go ahead. That's high praise. Uh Sure. Because, <laughs> man, I don't know how you can beat Ivan Ooze. <laughs> well, we got the beast here. With a stick? <laughs> We've got the beast. A stick. Yeah. No, you hit the button, the special groin kick button that is in oh, the Megazords <laughs> for emergencies that was a only. Thing. <laughs> that was a thing that they did in that movie. <laughs> Break glass in case of groin kick. (laughs) The soundtrack is by James Horner. Okay. Uh, It's a really good soundtrack. Um, Yeah. All right. Let's get to it. Here we go. We're going, we're getting in the the puddle jumper ship and we're going down to the planet. For people who have not listened to our reports on movies for retro movie missions, we are going to watch the film now. We are going to. As we watch, oh, we should look at the time. How long is this movie? I'm sure it'll be, we'll, we'll stick with our, yeah, it's run time is 116 minutes. Yeah. So every 25 minutes, we will stop the movie at 25 minutes, at 50 minutes, at 70 minutes, five minutes, at 100 minutes. And then after the last credit has rolled, so that'll be five, five reports. Times, yep. Five reports. Um, and we will stop, let people know what we're thinking. And, and, continue, and on. continue. So, and then we'll reconvene back here on the deck, <laughs> on the bridge, and uh, we will discuss the mission. Let's go. Okay. Up, up.
Okay, so I've watched the first 25 minutes with these teenager people that have found me in this movie, in this land of exploration, whatever. Um, so I'm watching it with these four teenagers, and all they can say for these first 25 minutes is, um, well, what are you saying, guys? I don't know if you can hear that from the microphone, but they keep talking about how much this is like Princess Bride. And I can't believe it, but there's so many things that they're pulling out that are like Princess Bride. So anyway, in the movie so far, uh, we meet our we meet Colin, our protagonist. We meet the princess, who is the other protagonist. And they're going to get married and unite two kingdoms to fight the beast and his bad guys. But the beast and his bad guys come and attack their castle in the middle of their wedding and shut down the wedding and also kill everybody, including both of their fathers. And so they steal the princess away and then Colwyn has to go. He wakes up and he whines a little bit that he lost his bride and his father on the same day. Everyone around him is dead. He has no armor. He has no kingdom. And his Obi-Wan Kenobi comes to him and says, we need to find the special weapon, the glaive. And we're going to find the glaive and we are going to go and we are going to, uh, defeat the bad guys with it. But we haven't gotten the glaive yet. 25 minutes in and we watched Colin climb a mountain for five minutes. And then now he's in this cave with lava and that's where we have stopped. So, so far, memory is uh, – this 25 minutes is pretty boring. Um, my memory of this was a little more exciting, and part of me just wants to get to the glaive, wants to get to the um, people that he's going to pull together around him as he has to go to storm the castle, save the princess, and defeat the bad guy. Um, it's a little bit boring. It's also a lot bit cliche, but it looks wonderful. So, I don't know, teenagers, if you have anything to say, no, no, they're just eating the popcorn. What are you laughing about? You have something to say, no, you're just going to sit there and laugh. Okay, fine, that's cool, that's cool, whatever, that's what teenagers do. Um, yeah, so... The, the set design and the character design and the, the costume design for this first part are just wonderful. Um, it just, I wish you could find a more exciting movie. Um, the music is amazingly beautiful and awesome, but way over the top. And I listen to this music all the time when I'm writing. Um, I've forgotten how over the top it is in this, in this film when it's, paired up with the picture. So I'm going to watch the next 25 minutes. We'll see if it picks up a little bit. You know, we're, we're not even in out of the first act yet. So, uh, we got some rising action to get through here and some of my favorite characters still haven't shown up. So we're going to get to them soon enough. And we're going to start part two right now. Okay. So 25 minutes in watching crawl. And uh, I gotta say, I'm liking the uh, production design and the costumes and things. I'm liking the setting. I really like it a lot when they do 
when they combine space and uh, medieval stuff. So that's already it's already winning points for me. Uh, the action uh, needs some help. It's not grabbing me. The fight scene that I've seen so far, it's not uh, not great. So hopefully that'll improve as we go. Uh, I'm getting some Legend of Zelda vibes actually from some of the uh, the imagery on in the castle and uh, from even him climbing this giant uh, this mountain thing where random rocks just start rolling down at him trying to kill him. Very Legend of Zelda. <laughs> so, so yeah, some interesting stuff so far. Unfortunately, all that stuff is not uh, story or characters or acting. Um, so hopefully those things will improve. But I'm I'm digging the aesthetic so far. All right, we'll we'll continue on then. Crawl. First 25 minutes. I'm here on Planet Krull with a couple of observations uh, planet side here. We have a planet uh, apparently stuck in medieval times. Um, but apparently they know about other planets and such. So we don't actually get an understanding of exactly how that whole thing works. But... Uh, we're assured that it it does, and everyone's sort of very understanding of that whole fact. So that's it's an interesting thing. <clears throat> um, the soundtrack, uh, you know, I I've heard the Star Wars soundtrack before, um, so you know, a lot of nice uh, callbacks, <clears throat> a lot, a lot of callbacks. <clears throat> so anyway. Um, so we have the uh, medieval type of a thing here, the uh, uh, two young people who are going to get married. Very interesting wedding ceremony. And it's interesting because the um, the young lady is very is a strong-willed lady. We get that early on. In fact, there's a, um, a missing scene from the movie that I found in a, a different source where early on when her father says that uh, warriors make bad husbands and um, our fighters make bad husbands. And uh, Colwyn says back to her, well, you're a fighter too. And she says, I guess we're both in trouble. But that didn't make it into the final cut. It was just an interesting uh, thing that was, you know, original script type stuff. Um, and I think it just plays out in her character. I mean, she's always, you know, she's in places where, uh, we'll get to it, but, you know, she's places where she can't do anything, but she's still trying to do stuff. And that's a, um, you know, a step up from a lot of uh, women in fiction. Uh, I think she's the only female in this movie with a speaking part. So uh, she really does make the best of it. Um, the wedding ceremony I enjoyed because it had that really mutual effect and, having it, you know, shutting down the lights of the kingdom and having them bring it, bring it back with the children. Uh, that's a nice little touch. Um, I, I did, did Obi-Wan Kenobi character <laughs> for lack of a better term. 
Y-N-Y-R, Einier, I guess his name is. Um, looks like Weiner, maybe not. Uh, but he, uh, interesting, interesting having him come in and, you know, taking care of, uh, I mean, just it, a lot of the, the touches are very Star Wars-y at this point. So, um, you know, it's, it's basically what people are going off, uh, that time in the world and in movies and especially science fiction movies. Um, but you know, very, uh, very planet locked. Uh, obviously there's a threat to the planet, but it's not, you know, there's no spaceships and things like that. So interesting aspect, um, of science fiction. You don't get a lot of planet locked science fiction. And here we have one. Um, even though they're talking about the possibility of other planets and prophecies about ruling the galaxies and things like that. But anyway, um, we'll see where it goes. Okay, we're 50 minutes in. And basically what's happened so far is that uh, Colwyn has gathered his 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 men his knights of the round table his uh his spunky uh band of of rebels and so he has picked up his uh he's picked up ergo the magnificent who is a magician that is the comic relief and as we were watching the movie uh the teenagers with me have they they asked me is this meant to be the comic relief and he is i don't know how funny he is to my teenagers, but I know he's not very funny to me. Um, they've picked up their Han Solo, uh, who runs, uh, he's, he's the leader of a group of bandits who have escaped from prison. And one of those bandits is uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, Liam Neeson himself. And he's picked up another Obi-Wan Kenobi, the seer who's able to see things. Ergo the Magnificent, by the way, is is definitely your C-3PO, I think, for the, the movie, although with more more power. But he uh, maybe he's closer to a Jar Jar Binks. But there's definitely that uh, – I don't think this is intentionally – these characters are intentionally a ripoff of Star Wars. But I think it's just they're they're doing the same thing that Star Wars does, and so the characters that they're going to find are – Similar. However, uh, once more, getting into the Princess Bride realm, they are now in the swamp as they are trying to find this black fortress that disappears all over the world and shows up never in the same place twice. And so they are in this swamp and my kids are waiting for the rodents of unusual size to come, but they are not going to come. Spoiler to them. Um, Yeah. And so that's where we are in the movie. Uh, it's still, um, it's a lot more dull than I remember it being. Uh, I remember this just being a lot more, I don't know, intriguing and exciting. Now, but there is some cool stuff here. I mean, there's, there's this mythic element to this of the, the Cyclops and, and why they're Cyclops. Now we haven't, um, he hasn't joined our, our, our band yet, but, uh, he, you know, this whole idea of, you know, the curse, you know, the blessing that they get from the beast, but it turns into a curse that they are cursed to only see in the future their own, the time of their own death. That's really intriguing and interesting and a fun idea to play with. Uh, and we have the glaive now, which is one of the coolest weapons ever in a fantasy movie. I mean, you have lightsabers and you have 
the glaive and you have Thor's hammer. I mean, those are, those are cool weapons and the glaive is right up there with the cool weapons. Um, but funny side, side note with that is I'm watching Power Rangers Ninja Steel with my youngest child. He wants to watch it. None of my other kids do. And I'm not particularly excited about watching Power Rangers, but my youngest son is enjoying it. And the whole idea is that they have these ninja stars that are, uh, that do a lot of different things and that entered, you know, they, they create a new ninja star that allows them to introduce the next toy from the toy line that goes along with it. But um, it's just kind of funny to see this. This is kind of pre, uh, I think it's pre the ninja craze of the eighties, but uh, it definitely feeds into that idea. It's just a cool looking weapon. The problem with this weapon is, and we're 50 minutes in, he gets it right at the 25 minute mark. And as soon as he gets it, he's told, don't use it. Don't use it. You'll know when you need it. So that's disappointing. But anyway, yeah. 50 minutes in and so far it's not offensive. It's just not exciting. And I'm really curious what Evan thinks about this. I'm actually really curious what Steve thinks about this. Uh, but for now that's my report and I'm going to seal this in and I'm going to uh, go ahead and, and hit play and watch the next 25 minutes of crawl. And we're 50 minutes into crawl. Meh. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I don't know. It's a uh, it's a nice concept, but it's it's not living up in execution for me. This this is not holding up. Um. All right. So I was confused about a couple of things. One, when. What's his name? The main character gets the the glaive. Did he just stick his hand straight into lava? Is that a thing? Uh, that wasn't explained at all, or is that like his Excalibur moment where he's the only one who can do it? That would be nice to know that. Um, also, I must have missed it because the random wizard imp English guy, where did he come from? Why is he there? Did they work? Are they expecting him? Do they know him? Is he just there to, to be there? Um, visual effects, uh, I understand it's an older movie. I I struggle when I can do a lot of the visual effects on my laptop better than this stuff. And I'm not talking about the practical effects or the props or things like that. I'm talking about what they're doing. You know, they're, they're overlaying light effects and things on the film. Uh, I'm a visual effects artist in my day job, so it's just rough <laughs> when I could do it uh, and do it better with my laptop in my living room. And I understand advancements in technology have taken place, just still. Um, and then I, we're in the middle of another action scene right now. It's okay. It's not, it's not great. Um, I mean, I feel like, I mean, they're, they're, they're doing the hero's journey so far and it's pretty, pretty much beat for beat. They're not really doing a lot of new things with it. Um, they're, uh, <laughs> it's not very imaginative with the names, the black fortress, the great swamp. Yeah. So I don't know. Hopefully it gets better. 
I'm uh, I'm fine. I'm finding it uh, wanting at this point. All right, another twenty five minutes. Here we go. Minutes twenty five to fifty. We have a random crevice is where he needs to go to get magical weapon. <clears throat> so the random crevice. Go random crevice. I think the random crevice is going to be one of my favorite characters in the movie. Um, and, you know, if he's not holding that thing just right, man, he's going to lose a finger. He didn't even flinch when that thing popped open. Uh, that's the type of, of bravery <clears throat> or stupidity you need in a hero. And uh, so going forward, that's what we're that's what we're looking at. Uh, we meet Ergo. Um, I don't know if his name is a a pun or if it's just uh, that's who he is. Um, I bet he's going to be the comic relief. I'm just you know if I had to put my money on someone, I wouldn't go all in. But uh, there you go. Uh, and we meet the um, the the guys who can't die, who who can who can die, the guys who can die. Um, you know, you got to have some cannon fodder. So here we meet them. Uh, we get Torquil, who's a really cool character. I, uh, you know, I, and uh, besides the crevice, I think Torquil might be uh, might be running a, a close number two, maybe even tied for number one. We'll figure it out as we get through the uh, through the whole thing. But Torquil is pretty cool. He actually says a cool thing about fame. Uh, at this point, he says, uh, "Count it, you go broke. Eat it, you go hungry. Seek it, you go mad." So if he keeps throwing in those little ball malls, I think we're going to have a uh, a nice little character here. I like his character. He seems very um, for a one dimensional prisoner who's escaped and got other people around him. He seems a little bit more put together, um, and uh, his right hand man Rune or Run Rune. I'll call him Rune because if I call him Run, I'm going to think the D- DMC is with him. J Master J, and that's going to lead down a whole other path. So, uh, so we keep going, and we uh, we find the Seer, we find Titch, um, and you know it's like forty-seven minutes in, the budget for sets runs out. I don't know exactly what the deal was. You know they they're trying, and you know I guess they had some really fantastic uh, sound stages and things like that. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just not just not pulling it off. A lot of things look like sound stages and you know stuff like that. So anyway, um, and then uh, is it the seer or is it Einir? One of them, I think it's Einir, says uh, death and power are close cousins. And then we have uh, good old Torquil shooting back. He says uh, something about I don't. I don't think I want to hang out with your relatives or something like that. So, uh, Torquil two, uh, crevice one. So we're going to keep that, keep that, uh, tag going there, I think. So there we go. That's the, uh, 25 to 50 minute range in Crow. We'll be right back with some more. All right. So I just finished part three that, uh, 50 to 75 minutes in and 
Let's see what's happened. Um, Lissa has run around inside the Black Fortress and it looks like she's running through ear canals and rib cages and hands and it's just kind of surreal and H H.R. Geiger-ish and it's, again, some of that neat uh, set design going on there. Although when she's running around, it reminds me of um, the music video for Total Eclipse of the Heart. So that's that's just something that I have to deal with, though. Anyway, beyond that, um, they're going to – oh, uh, the shapeshifter came and tricked them into thinking it was the seer. So all that work they did to get to the seer and help the seer get them to where they need to go – uh, it's wasted. And so they have to go now and find this other person who can see into the future. And that's where we are right now is at this, uh, cool, uh, spider web thing. And I guess, uh, you know what this movie lacks in action and, and movement, it definitely makes up for in fairy tale myth telling and, and visual, uh, interesting visuals, maybe not interesting editing and interesting uh, cinematography, although the cinematography is pretty solid um, and the sets are solid as far as, you know, they do the job. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I really, I'm not, uh, maybe it's just because it's late and I'm tired. I mean, one of, one of my kids, uh, the movie put her to sleep and, oh no, she's moving. So Maybe she's just letting herself go to sleep, but um, I don't know how interested they all are in this thing, but they've stayed in the room so far and they're still here as I'm talking right now. So yeah, well, we're going to go another 25 minutes and we'll come back and maybe by the time we come back, the glaive will have been used because that's the one thing that I, it's the one thing I remember being irritated about is that the glaive did not get used uh, much and it's the coolest thing, but they just never bring it out. Um, and I don't remember when it gets brought out. I remember getting used at the end, but I don't remember where it gets brought out. And yeah, I'm, I'm feeling, feeling it, man. This, this, this movie is it's losing my attention <laughs> and that's bad because I like this movie. At least I remember liking this movie. Oh, well. Okay. Here we go. Another 25 minutes. Okay. We're 75 minutes in. <sighs> Guys, this is bad. This is just bad. It's not even like... It's not even like bad, like let's all get together and watch a bad movie, bad because it's funny. It's just, it's just, it's not even that bad. It's just not good, bad. Um, I don't, I don't buy any of these characters. I don't buy any of them. Um, the, the one I buy the most is the main robber guy and maybe Liam Neeson. Uh, the princess might also be there, but all, all of the main guys that we're following, like the old, the old one and the main character who I don't know his name and, uh, the English guy and yeah, just, I'm not, I'm not buying them. It's, it's really trying. It's trying to be good, but it's not. 
in my opinion. So I'm I'm suffering through this one. Uh, like I said, production design is okay. It's it's pretty good. The practical effects are pretty good. But other than that, not a lot of positive stuff coming out of this movie for me. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep watching because that's the mission. So another 25 minutes. Here we go. Crawl, 50 to 75 minutes in. And we have a lot of moving around. We meet Rel for the first time, the Cyclops. Um, we see the, we, we get to close to the, the Widow of the Web. Uh, Ainir is climbing through that web. That's, uh, that's what you got. There's a knockdown, drag about 25 minutes right there. <clears throat> um, other than that, some of the guys that can die. Sure enough, they they die. So you get you get that going on too. Um, yeah, just a little short one, just a little short little zip off there, a little twenty five minute. Yep, that's what's going on in this part of the movie, and we'll see you in a little bit. All right, so 100 minutes in and still the glaive has not been used other than it's been on Colin's belt and he's tapped it a couple times as he's walked around. Um, yeah, I mean, this 25 minutes is the pretty much the same as the previous ones as far as story. Eh, the story gets you from one place to the next anyway. Uh the story here so far is they are they're storming the castle. They are raiding the Death Star. They, I mean, I mean, it really does feel like that. They're running across bridges. They're dodging lasers. Um, the one bit that does go in here that kind of makes it uh, different is you know they went to the lady in the uh, the spider web place and got the location of where the Black Fortress will be. And so now they know where to go in order to get into the, the Black Fortress. But they have a day to get there and uh, from sunrise to sunrise. And it will and it will move out of that spot after the, the sunrise. And so um, the information they have is only good for a limited time. Fortunately, they find the fire feet horse things and they're able to use those because they can they can go a thousand leagues in a day which is or something like that which is exactly how far away the the desert is that they need to go to to get to the black fortress and this is where we get rel his uh the, the cyclops who has a vision of his future this is where he says i can't come with you because i'm going to die here and if you oppose the vision of your death, it's quite painful, apparently. And this is probably the thing that, do, that this movie does the most is they keep saying these definite things about, I can't do this or I must do this. And then they go ahead and they do the thing they can't do or the thing that they must do and there is no other way for it to work uh, doesn't work or they, they aren't able to do it. And so then they find another way to do it and, and just kind of 
makes these statements and then goes back on them. And that's what it does with the Cyclops, but it does give him a great moment where he's rides into the rescue and then holds the door open for everyone so they can all get inside and then gets crushed in the door. And that's that for him. Poor Rel. Poor, poor Rel. So right now they're walking through the various, I don't know, hallways, cavities, whatever it is that these things are. Um, you know, are they, are they veins? Are they, yeah, they're, they're walking through it right now though. And there's, there's booby traps and there's bad guys and there's, uh, all sorts of yelling and, and panicking as things happen, but it's just not super exciting as things happen. So yeah. Anyway, uh, looks like there is, we're at one forty, and, you know, 20 minutes from now. Yeah. So this takes us through the end credits for the, the next 25 minutes takes us through to the end of the movie. And I think we'll finally get the glaive. I think we'll finally get to see the beast a little better. And um, yeah, but as I'm watching right now, I'm just, I'm remembering watching this the first time and maybe even the second time. And just, there's so much innovative ideas that I'm just excited and surprised by. And, and then I'm watching it this time around and it's just kind of, yeah, yeah. This is definitely now a movie that if I'm going to watch it again, it's going to be because I put it on to be in the background while I'm doing something else. But I, I don't anticipate myself sitting down and actually paying attention to this movie, uh, at least for another 20 years, maybe. I don't know. So last segment coming now. Liam Neeson is dead. As are my hopes for this movie. I just don't care about the characters, really. It was kind of sad when the Cyclops guy died. It was kind of sad when Liam Neeson died. But I don't really care. And if I didn't care about them, I definitely don't care about anybody else in the movie, probably. So. <sighs> I try, you know, if we talk about The Last Jedi and how, you know, I said I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. I'm on the verge of hate for this movie. I really am. <laughs> I haven't, like, really hated a movie in a long time. But this one, this one could be it. We'll see. We will see. Such wasted uh, potential. Uh, you know what? Okay. I probably don't hate this as much as Transformers. Uh the last night. Although I probably would watch Transformers the last night before I ever watch this again. Um, because at least there's a lot of cool explosions and stuff to look at. All right, we're going to continue on. Here we go. The last leg. Okay. So we got the 75 minutes to an hour or a hundred. This is confusing. Um, <laughs> here's the second, here's the fourth part of the, uh, the, the, the crawl crawl. Sorry. Crawl is something else, I guess. And, uh, the crawl is, um, boy, does this happen on crawl? You can just tell it's all crawl all the time here. Um, we get the spider who is apparently a 
supernaturally large spider and the the widow of the web that went dark real quick um yeah we find out that her name is lissa the same as the princess or would be queen so you know maybe that has something to do with the prophecy so we're getting little links there um the fire mares there we go there's some horses that can run fast and boy, does it take a long time to get them uh, get them moving. You know, if, if only the sets didn't look so much like sets and sound stages. You know, it's sort of like they maybe they just lost their their budget for shooting outside or be able being able to create scenes outside because otherwise you you could really be putting this forward as something much more epic than it turns out to be. And uh, since I don't think there was a Krull 2, you know, it's sort of like I'm thinking about the prophecy now about the sun who rules the galaxy. That would be kind of a cool thing where, I don't know, maybe that's something we can all talk about uh, after the movie. But anyway, there's, uh, there's my fourth bit. I guess that's 75 to 100 minutes in. We're going to... Do one more little bit, and then uh, sum it up with the finale. Enjoy, folks. Do you know what is an even better, a better fantasy weapon than the glaive? Love. Love is the greatest weapon of all. Love starts with a spark turns into a fire in your fist that then can kill a bad guy and punch a hole in his fortress so you can get out alive as it explodes upward into the sky and love love is the greatest weapon of all yeah so they storm the castle They run down the halls, they find the princess, and everyone dies. Horribly. We already talked a little bit about how Rel, or whatever his name is, the Cyclops, got smushed between two automatic sliding doors. One of their band falls off a bridge. One of their band gets killed by spikes coming out of the walls. But yes, I mean, Ergo, of course, isn't going to die, and neither is the 10-year-old boy who has gone through all these adventures with them. And of course, our Han Solo character isn't going to die. Obi-Wan Kenobi, of course, he had to die. We we knew that was going to happen. Uh, and there was, oh yes, the the 15-year-old with the deep voice. He survived, and the princess and Colwyn. Everyone else, dead. You know, it starts out actually with uh, Colin arriving to his wedding, and the the slayers were out. and And when he arrives, he says, "I lost three hundred men getting here." And so, yeah, it just starts off with everyone just dying to help Colin get to where he's supposed to go, and it ends with everyone dying helping Colin get to where he's supposed to go, and. 
So as they run through the castle, Colwyn does eventually, yes, use the glaive. He uses it to cut a hole in a wall that allows him to get into the cell where uh, where Lyssa was being kept. And then he uses the glaive again to make the beast fall over. And you think the beast is dead. But then just as he goes to take the glaive away out of the beast's flesh, we get a jump scare. And it's a actually a pretty effective jump scare. Uh, I jumped and... I do not. Re- I remember him using the glaive to kill the beast. I did not remember that it was love. It was love that was going to kill the beast. You could say twas beauty that killed the beast. You could say that, but it was love and Chekhov's fiery wedding ceremony right here is what we get. And uh, they, they, they set it up. They they did a they they said you know at the beginning we have this wedding ceremony and the fire comes from the hand of the woman he's going to marry and he takes the fire from her hand and that's when they all attack and the wedding gets canceled or whatever but no here here uh, it's it should it's something that could very easily have been just a ridiculous out of left field kind of thing. But it it wasn't. It wasn't out of left field. It was directly right in the center field because they had said this is a thing that exists in this world. And then it just turns into a much bigger thing than you ever expected it to be. So, uh, yeah. Yep. Not the glaive, but love. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I still have to say, I mean, I... The the visuals and the the ideas and the, the just the bonkers fantasy fairy tale stuff that I mean all this stuff is is just uh, every step of the way of their journey. Here is this fairy tale thing. Here is this fairy tale style of thing, and it's not necessarily um, it's not necessarily copying these things from specific fairy tales. It's just got that feel. It's got that vibe of a fairy tale where the storyteller just says, and then this happened, and then this happened. It's it's chapter by chapter. I mean, if this was a novel, each of these things would be a different chapter, a different leg of the journey. And and then there's the end. The beast is dead, and we find out about how the woman with the ancient name would help and blah, 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 and they would rule the planet, and their son would rule the galaxy. And that is the story that I want to know. And that is the story that I wanted to tell back in the day when I had two nickels to rub together. uh, I actually contacted Columbia pictures to see if the rights would be available. The comic book rights would be available to do us some sort of crawl thing. And it was not available, but, uh, uh, that's another story as, as to how that worked. It's not that anyone had them. It's just that nobody knew who had them or where they fell as far as, you know, the, who produced this thing. And so anyway, um, when all was said and done, yeah, I, I didn't do it. The, this is as close as I want to get to, the idea of, of fan fiction. I mean, I, I would I would do the fan fiction if I had time to to tell the story of how their son 
ruled the galaxy. And is that a good thing? You know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, the idea is, is, is there. And maybe we'll talk about it sometime, someday. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's a really interesting note to end on. But that's, that's our movie. That's crawl, and now I'm going to talk about it with the with uh, Evan and and Steve, and um, we're going to get their take on this last 25 minutes. But yeah, I mean, nothing happened. Well, once the movie was done, y- nothing happened where you said, "Oh, I wasn't expecting that," because you did expect it. You expected the beast to be killed by Colwyn, and it and it was, and they escaped, and. Uh, the big black fortress thing gets destroyed. And I mean, they check all the boxes, but then they check some extra boxes that are just kind of odd, like the, the love fire fist thing and the, uh, the Cyclops thing. And, you know, all these, these cool visuals that look much, much, they, they don't match the script. And by that, I mean the script feels like a low-budget B movie, but the look looks like something that comes from the Star Wars universe, or in the 80s anyway. Um, it just, it's big, and it's bold, and, the, and it has the music going with it. And yeah, I'm going to stop there because uh, we'll, we'll talk more, but... Oh, just one more thing though. They did have the the last minute rescue of someone uh as things are closing together, you know, walls are closing together. Um I don't know. It just <laughs> It's that Star Wars made money. Let's make something like Star Wars. Okay. Well, this is my final report. Turn it over to Evan and Steve. And we're back. We've finished the movie, and uh, it's done. And my verdict, what did I think? I hated this movie, guys. I hated it. It is horrible. I will never watch it again. Um, Some reasons. Uh, Chekhov drops nothing. Stuff comes out of nowhere with no foreshadowing, no buildup, stuff... It's just happening like the changeling thing or the one chick who's going to fall in love with a guy and kill him. And, uh, you know, you can the list goes on. Just stuff's not happening. I figured it out. I figured out that this movie is Transformers 5 because back in the day, it is just spectacle for the sake of spectacle. Only now the spectacle kind of sucks because it's dated and aged not well um the sets were great some of the practical effects were pretty good but it does not hold up um at least the practical effects don't hold up as well as they could and uh placed in the movie that they're in uh i don't think the pacing the plotting and the music and the cinematography are utilizing them uh to where they they could stand the test of time better and uh, be just as thrilling today as maybe they were back in the day. But no, this is, this is a huge flop for me. I'm not, I did not enjoy it and I will never watch it again. Uh, not even ironically. Uh, I don't care about any of the characters. They didn't spend 
any time developing any one of these characters, um, except for maybe the old guy and his character development was out of nowhere, irrelevant and really, really dark and sad. Uh, a lot of stuff, like going back to visual effects and things, a lot of stuff just happens off screen. They cut away, do a sound effect, cut back, and something has happened. Uh, characters know stuff they shouldn't know. Like, they see that trail of blood. Oh, this is obviously from that character. How do you know that? What on earth are you talking about? Like, How do you draw that conclusion? We don't know. We don't care. It's just the plot is happening, and it's happening whether you want it to or not. Uh, the lady knows that the beast is the strongest in the center of that room for some reason. Who knows why that is? Who knows how she knows that? We don't know. Uh, the opening and closing narration mean nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, it's facts, it's exposition, but it ties in no way to the story whatsoever. (laughs) And has no impact on us or the story, even at the ending. Oh, man. And then compound that with just the, the lackluster acting and all the other things I've talked about before, man, this was an absolute flop, a dud. I'm putting it below Transformers 5. Um, hated it. Will not watch it again. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. And it's a shame because, like, I think my first feedback for this was kind of positive because I, re- I really like the concept of uh, tying, you know, together the sci-fi stuff and the medieval stuff. But, man, squandered. And wasted. Did not like it at all. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention, there was a cool shot where, uh, if I have to give this movie a compliment, is the shot where they're they're showing the horse's hooves and the fire's like going in between the horse's hooves. That was kind of neat. And that's my one positive thing I'll say. <sighs> okay, alright, well, I guess I'm going to go back up to the ship and talk about this with Ben and Steve. And I have no, I, I don't know what they're going to say. Will this be one of those things where it's like, no, these were great effects back in the day, or this was a great movie? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, like I said, some of the practical effects, they, they're good. They don't quite hold up, but they're still good. But you, you wrap it all together in a whole, every, every, you wrap it together with the rest of what this movie is, and it's, it's not good. It's junk. Don't like it. All right. See you up at the ship. Well, now, here we have it. Here we have uh, Colwyn fighting Cthulhuzilla, Vader, or whatever it is, the big bad guy. Here it is. Final sequence, final scene. We have the final passing of the fire from Lyssa to Colwyn. Very interesting. I like the fact that they're doing something with, um, you know, showing a couple together doing something that, only you know these types of people can do and you know maybe trying to say something about uh, marriage and the power of love uh, in a real sense you know showing that there's this power that passes between people in a marriage and um you know in, in a good true marriage where there's love instead of just you know that love conquers all type of thing where if we believe it strongly enough then it'll happen and you know, so that doesn't happen. <clears throat> uh, we have a couple little interesting callbacks. Uh, the crevice just does not make a, a return appearance. Uh, sorry, a crevice. I think Torquil uh, takes it. Uh, even if we don't count any more of his uh, cool things that he did, it's still two to one. Um, so we won't uh, we won't pile on. 
good try, good try, Crevis. Uh, we'll uh, maybe maybe you'll maybe you'll be in Krell too. I think Krell two is all going to be you know mostly the Crevice. So we we can hope. Um, the uh, special effects were not industrial lights and magic. Um, let's just say that. I mean, it's 1983, guys. Come on, Star Wars has been out for six years. You gotta. I, they invented all those things for Star Wars, and so you're just sort of. I mean, those Battlestar Galactica look better than this. Anyway, <clears throat> so we have uh, the final little uh, thing there wraps up. Wraps up sort of neatly. Uh, the guys that can die are all dead, except for Torquil, of course. Um, a little surprised to see Rune uh, die as, as much as he did, and Rel uh, also. Uh, wow, that was horrible. Uh, but you know, these noble deaths, I think, just sort of add to it. You know, and like for instance, in Star Wars, you have Obi Wan giving himself up, um, but that's about the only noble death you have until the the uh, dogfight scene where everyone else dies. Um, I mean, all the fighters except for Wedge. So it's just sort of like, okay, you get it. You know, it, it paces it and, you know, these, these guys die and, and things like that. Um, and you, you get more of the sense that it could have been anybody. Sort of different than in The Last Jedi. When they're like picking off those ships as they're going into a crate. And it just, just happens to be every other ship except the one ship which has all the heroes in it. Um, so this one, you know, it just seems like the characters who are, uh, that, you know, need to succeed are the ones that are, you know, maybe, uh, hedging their, their bets a little bit so they can, uh, make it to the end. And perhaps that is what happens with leaders sometimes where there has to be that leader. And sometimes the, the troops, uh, die in service to that and, in service to the greater good. So, um, and Torquil has that little thing at the end where he says, uh, only the, the key master or something, whatever, um, uh, can have the key. And then he, it's, it's a callback to when he got the key or when the, he was presented the key the first time. So now he's the, the key master, or whatever. I'm sorry. I didn't write down the, what he was. So I don't know. <clears throat> But you know what I'm saying. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm saying. And a nice little end moment there with everyone walking off into the distance. Freeze frame, roll credits, and we're done. Crawl. You know, I'm going to give it three stars. Because I figure two and a half is sort of like trending downward. Three and a half is sort of like could have been a four except for a couple of things. And three is like that little sort of a sweet spot where you get a movie with some good stuff in it, probably not done as well as it could have been, perhaps by other people. I think the underlying story could have been a short story. Uh, the interesting part where the fire passes from the husband to the wife and then wife to the husband you know, that probably could have been done a little quicker. Uh, you didn't really need to tack on the the hero's journey and, 
all that other things. Of course, that's what makes it epic. That's what makes it a movie. You probably couldn't have had the same type of movie uh, if you had done it a different way. Would have been interesting if they had done that as like the first act, and then the second act we see the sun come up, the you know their their child that's going to rule the galaxy, and then the third act, you know something something epic, you know. But uh, in the in the the words of that little kid in the driveway in the Incredibles, you know something amazing, you know, but. Um, if you look at it a different way, the whole power of marriage, the whole power of two people coming together in this real true love, uh, winning out and being the thing that saves them, the only thing that can save them actually, um, I liked that part, the, uh, the whole travel and who we met in the, the way and all that other stuff. Not so much. Um, but you know what? If, if I was going to watch this movie with my wife and we got to the end and, you know, we're holding hands and, oh, isn't that sweet that, you know, they that love really generated this power that overcame the, the evil. And in a Christian way of looking at things, love, true love, that love that God gives to us um, is the only thing that's going to, to be the ultimate... Uh, defeat of evil. So um, we have that to look at, and perhaps maybe that's what they were trying to do. Also, the the glaive. This movie should have been like Col- Colwyn, Lissa, and the glaive. You know, something like that, or not even the glaive. I mean, the glaive is sort of like the symbol for the movie, but it really wasn't. It was just sort of like, you know, just like a, a weapon that didn't have any bigger mystical thing except that he had to find the glaive for some reason to get to the next step so i don't know it seemed more like a MacGuffin, pretty MacGuffin-y, um mcguffinesque mcguffinish mcguffin it was it was yeah it looked like one of those things so interestingly uh the little mini glaive that little five pointed thing that he had as a necklace um if you look at it it's very clear that it has a cross in it. So I'm thinking to myself, are they trying to say something in a Christian way? Or is it just someone just added that as a flourish? Or perhaps they're saying, since the glaive ended up not being the thing used, perhaps they're saying that the cross is, you know, Christianity is something that's archaic, something that, you know, ultimately isn't going to, uh, to win the day. But, don't know if that's true or not. Um, didn't get a chance to talk with anybody who was actually part of this movie. And there you have it. There's my four minute and 18 second review. All right. That's it. That's done. Going back up to the ship, beaming up. If that's how we get around. How do we get around on these things? I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, however way I'm getting back up, I'm leaving this planet crawl and, Unfortunately, not coming back because it would have been nice to have a Krell too, where his son <sighs> fulfills that part of the prophecy. But we don't. This is what we got. Enjoy it. I think you will if you just you know squint at a couple of places that 
might be a little bit too sound stagey. And yes, I'm making up words. So, gotta go. Have a great day. God bless you guys. And we're all back together on the the bridge of our spaceship time thing. I'm allowed on the bridge? Oh, yeah, you're allowed on the bridge. Someone has to bring me my, my coffee. Did my we sweets. beam up or did we like have shuttles, shuttle crap? Yes. Shuttle. Yes. Did we, we beamed onto the shuttle? Okay, sure. I took the shuttle. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Well, for, for budget reasons, for budget reasons, we have to use the transporters. Okay. Because we can't okay. film the shuttles landing and, and then coming back. And so, yeah. Uh, all right. So <laughs> Evan, uh, yes. I, I, uh, as you know, I was curious how how you felt about this movie, and and now, now I know how you felt about this movie. And I was um, startled by my own reaction, Ben. <laughs> I just I really was. <laughs> um, you know, there is a a certain level of of uh, intentional, uh, good natured torture. Um, <laughs> in, in in doing some of these movies, you know, yeah, but that was not the intention with this at all. Like I, it never is. It seems. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, there's there's been some some times where I'm like, oh yeah, I don't think he'll. But this time, uh, I, I at least thought, oh yeah, he'll he'll. But this time, I also had a hard time getting through it. So I don't know what to say. I thought I- I thought I was going to like it. I thought, you know, looking at the back of the DVD case she gave me, I'm like, oh, this is kind of, it looks kind of like Robin Hood, you know, ish. Oh, but no, I would gladly watch Flash Gordon again before. Like I said in my, my report, I will never watch this again. Wow. Well, like I said in my report, I will watch it again in 20 years. Um, and maybe by then I'll forgotten, but it's so frustrating to me because I like this movie and I love the things they do with the movie, you know, all the special effects, the, the practical effects, the set design and and all those things. I just forgot that uh, how boring it is to get from the one thing to the other thing. And, um, it would have been better for me if, if the sets didn't look so much like sets and the, the sound <laughs> stages looked so much like sound stages. I mean, it was like, Oh, Hey, I mean, it, I mean, some of them were beautifully done, you know, in a yeah. way that like, if I was LARPing or, you know, like going to a, <laughs> you know, some sort of a, like an event, like a, you know, like a, uh, I don't know what you call them, those locked room things where you have to figure out how to get out. Yeah. Like a, yeah, escape room, but had, had like a fantasy element or something. It would be like, oh, wow, that's kind of creepy or like, you know, a haunted house, that type of thing. But it just it didn't carry. It, it wasn't like, you know, Endor. They go to like an actual forest. And here they're walking through a place where it's obviously, you know, s- s- trees put in sand and with water. And it, I mean, it was just like, well, there's that one mountain range. I mean, some of it was good. Yes, yeah, some that. of it. Yeah, some of it they really did an, an interesting job, but they didn't continue on with that. It, it reminded me a lot of uh, The Princess Bride, but The Princess Bride pulled it off a little bit better when they yeah, were going yeah. through like, the fire swamp and things like that. And it reminded my uh, like, like like you reminded my kids of The Princess Bride, and it, and it's not just there's there's some plot elements, but the aesthetic as well. But 
I, I think Princess Bride, you're more forgiving of the swamp. Right. You know, because it's not taking itself as seriously. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and bit. and I, I will say that even the soundstage stuff, it looks good. It looks really good. It just doesn't look perfect. It doesn't look realistic. Yeah. And right. and the troubling thing there is, I mean, they do go out on location into some really incredible looking places. When they're on location, you're just, wow, this is this is wonderful. This is this is God's creation. You know, this is mm-hmm. you know, earth. Um but the then they go on the sound stage and it's not quite there. And and so even Dagobah on in Empire Strikes Back, that's a sound stage. Right. I, I think it might be the same sound stage. This is this is Pinewood Studios that they did yeah. all this. Yep. And and so they're they're doing the same kind of thing, but it looks so much different and so much more fantastic and realistic at the same time in Empire Strikes Back than it does for 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 the whatever the dark swamp is as they're going to the dark forest to get to the dark right. fortress. The, the great swamp. The great swamp. Yeah. The great swamp and the black fortress. Very original names, as I said in my <laughs> Well but here's the um, thing. <laughs> Okay, so here's one thing I'll give them that they were trying to do and think is we're succeeding at. They're trying to make a fairy tale, uh, a mythic fairy tale. And and they do. Uh, I'm reminded of, I don't know if you've ever seen any of these that are made in like the late 60s, early 70s, around the times of like the sword and sandal kind of thing, the, um, you know, the Italian um, fantasy movies. But there are certain northern like there's a Norse one that I've seen. I've seen a Russian one and a German one where it's just a fairy tale and it's not great. It's not very good. And, and the effects aren't wonderful, but it's it's written to be a fairy tale. And it feels like where, you know, the fairy tale, the, the hero starts his quest. This problem solve that problem. This problem solve that problem. Then another problem solve that problem. And then finally you get to the end of the journey after you've gone through you know all these these different things to get there and that's what this kind of does the problem with this one is there's a lot of times where they say we can't do it unless we do it this way oh no that way was destroyed well there's also this way we could do it that way instead okay you know it's just there's all these definitive statements made that they just kind of yeah don't don't follow through on and um i really wanted to see the 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 last part of the the prophecy i wanted to see the the child rule the galaxy i wanted to see that movie <laughs> can i tell you a yeah. secret that is what? what i that's why i actually contacted columbia and and contacted their legal department to see about this is when i had money and i, I mentioned this in the i guess it's not a secret because it's in my report but right. um i i actually contacted them to see about getting the comic book rights to do because they were doing a lot of these things back then and, and they still are, but do, you know, sequels to, to old classic movies. And they didn't even, it, it would cost them too much and cost me by extension too much in, in just the legal fees to like look up the information to find out who actually owns the rights or who they co-own the rights to the movie with, mm-hmm. um, where it just, it never went anywhere, but that's what I wanted to do is I wanted to tell that story, of their get their son who would rule the galaxy like that's that's ominous well that's, that... that's not a good guy like their son grows up to be the beast part two 
<laughs> nice. He doesn't look like well, the beast, but I mean, well, it's like I said in my reports, like the the opening and closing narration mean nothing. They don't they don't touch the story or affect the story at all. And it just kind of seems worthless. So there was nothing in the entire movie that you could, you would say that's a good takeaway. Uh, I don't know about that because some of the theming that they're trying to do, I think, uh, has some has some good stuff to it. But it's just this is not a good vehicle <laughs> for. There the, is ambition, theming. though. There is ambition in this. Oh, and, for sure. And there's like said, so much creativity, and there's yeah. so much you know interesting stuff that just gets. Like the Cyclops, that's something that's always stuck with me. They are really trying to be good. Right. It's really trying to be good, but it's not. <laughs> um, you know what this movie really reminded me of was, um, what do you call it? The never-ending story. Yeah, sure. This, yeah, with sets mm-hmm. and the creatures and things. Um, I would definitely recommend that movie over this one, <laughs> in my opinion. Well, where, where, where it fell flat for me is in the the characters the actors playing the characters the plotting and and the other largely important things to make a movie good <laughs> um, so but like i said the aesthetic and the the props the sets the the production design all great and even some of the themes but it's just this movie i feel fails utterly to earn the the praise that those things might have given it see i think if i could take away two things from this entire movie it's their depiction of like a true marriage and true love i mean these people truly love each other and it creates this power that destroys the evil and the other thing would be um torquil's little uh little you know rebus or whatever you want to call it on fame where he says count it go broke eat it go hungry seek it go mad and i was like i like that torquil <laughs> so if i had to take two things i think those are the two i'd take <laughs> uh, here's my question are they did they have they ever seen each other before uh corwin and and lissa because there's this kind of weird vibe when they first meet, like this is the first time they're meeting, but maybe no, not. They know each other. I mean, they, they? they've fallen in love. Yeah. They know of he's, each other anyway. They've, they've chosen. I mean, he, the first, then the first time he sees her, he's like that, you know, uh, close to her and kisses her and stuff like that. Well, he's I, the prince. I know, but he, I don't think he's that type of a prince, uh, you know? And and there's there's actually a uh, I, I talked about this in, in my thing. You guys know, but that uh, the missing scene where um, they're when they're talking and he says, um, uh, no, she says, uh, my father says that that the fighters don't make good husbands. That's and not a missing says, scene. That's right in there, isn't it? Well, right. I'm talking about the missing part, oh, okay. the one that where, where he says, well, you're a fighter, too. And then she says, well, I guess we're both in trouble. So he knows her. You know, he he knows who she, who she what she's like. Okay, so what and was their so, courtship like, though? He lost three hundred men just getting there. <laughs> like, yeah, so when, yeah. uh, I mean, I, that's that's where I'm like, 
what is what is the the deal here? Because if it took them, I, I mean, yeah, that's the other thing is the the death toll for the good guys just to get Colwyn where he needs to go. Like, I mean, he's not going to die because he's he's the the main character, you know. But it takes three hundred men just to get him to the castle where he's going to get married to create mm-hmm. this this alliance, and then everyone dies at the castle. <laughs> everyone like he is the only one who survives oh yeah uh except for lissa who is taken away and then right. they meet up with this band of bandits and three no no sorry two of the bandits survive and then the kid of the seer survives the seer dies um what's his face the you know, obi-wan kenobi guy dies mm-hmm. um <laughs> it just <laughs> Like, okay, but it's all in service of Colwyn, so he can he can win the day. He can he defeat the beast. So, it, yeah, I, I there's elements though, like the the romance between Obi Wan Kenobi and the Spider Lady. <laughs> it's the scene that went dark quick. It, oh yeah, man, for does real. It. Some of the only character development we get in this movie, and it's really really dark. The scene itself, not great. But the story behind it, uh, there's there's ideas there. You know, the, the, yeah. the Cyclops. I love the Cyclops thing where we made a deal with with the Beast that we could see the future, and he took one of our eyes, and that's why they have one eye. And it's, that's again very fairy tale. You know, this is right. why a turtle has its shell. This is why birds fly. This is, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, this is why Cyclops only have one eye. It's because he tricked them. And let them see the future, but he only, they can only see the time of their death. And if they right. seek to avoid it, they they find great pain and suffering. Um, and so I'm the thing I'm curious about is was uh, was his death meant to be where they caught the horses, and he just decided I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to wait around here and die. I'm just going to go and help my friends, even though it's going to cause me pain. Or was it that he saw in his vision? that he comes late and saves the day and, and that's how he dies. Um, but either way that death is horrifying. <laughs> it's yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's so horrifying. I did not remember it that way. I, I, I can't remember when I last watched this movie, um, but it's been, you know, maybe four or five, six years, but I remembered him like the, the door was coming down and he was holding it up and they're like sneaking in beside him and and then it pushes him down and, and kills him uh uh <laughs> rancor pit style. But um <laughs> instead he just gets smushed into a pancake. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, not pleasant. Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> There's so many things wrong with this movie. <laughs> like one of the questions I had was, um, so the guard, the, the evil guard stormtroopers are coming with their laser guns that can kill people wearing full armor. And so you turn into a tiger. <laughs> yeah, scare them away. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I they're, think that- their, we- their weapons are cool. Like they, they shoot and yeah. you turn it around. It's a sword. And then um, when they get killed, uh, it's this little slug octopus slime thing. Yeah. Like there, there. It's <laughs> there's so much 
potential cool ideas. And yeah, I mean, this is, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. There are so many cool ideas and potential in this thing. And I would like to read your comic book because I'm sure it would be a lot better <laughs> than what this is. It's just great intentions, poor execution in my head. Well, but it's poor execution on one level, and that is script. I, I That's also acting. Well, maybe so. I mean, but with a better script, better story, better lines, the acting may not have felt as as bad. Uh, yeah. But instead, it's the script just brings no because uh, there's no energy to like, uh, that's the other thing. We're not going to power our ship with the energy from this movie. You know, we're, we're, we're find another <laughs> Is that how this works. I don't know. I'm making it up as I go along, but kind of like they were. One of, the, one of the problems that I had was with uh, Colwyn. In the beginning, he seems like a change character. You know, a character that that needs to to accomplish something, and then the end, he changes into you know the the hero, and like that happens when he finds the glaive. So it's like kind of you you get this like emotional thing, like you're attached to to this character, and you're like, oh, he's going to have this you know really big moment where he changes, and all he does is climb up a mountain, find a random crevice. You know, and that just happens to be the one place where he reaches uh, uh, fearlessly into into boiling lava, doesn't yeah. burn himself and gets a, a, a glaive that opens up in his hand and he doesn't even flinch as awesome. these knives come out of it. <laughs> my, like, my, my kids were like, what would happen if you've been holding it wrong? Like, ah, just, my hand, <laughs> cut off my hand. Yeah, that's what here's I said. A, here's another thing. Chekhov drops nothing in this movie. Chekhov didn't even watch this movie. Because stuff just happens and there's no explanation and there's no setup. Stuff is just happening. And, the, and like I said in my review, no, 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 no. Or the Chekhov drops the hand fire. He does. That's Chekhov's the one thing he does ma- drop. Marriage hand fire is right there. And I forgot that whole thing. Like I, I did not remember that at all. And I'm watching. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much the way I remember it playing out. And then he reaches for the glaive. And nope. Oh, he's still alive. Okay, I vaguely remember that he was still alive. And then he starts shooting fire from his hand. I I don't remember that at all. Uh, I, I, I feel like we got the Mandela effect going on here, where like they, this movie has changed since I've seen it last because I don't remember this. Yeah, George Lucas probably did a special edition. I don't know. If man. only. If only. <laughs> you uh, know what? You know what I found online actually, and it was included. I think it's included in like one of the discs or something. If you buy the actual thing, is a version where it it's the comic book. It's the Marvel comic mm-hmm. book. Yeah, and it goes through the panels, and it has like l- clips and music from the actual movie, and it's like a forty minute version of the whole thing. But it's all the comic book uh, art not moving or anything like that it's all still but you know it's like you know focusing in on things or pulling away from things you yeah, know it's on the dvd across the panel yeah and it was actually kind of cool <laughs> you know in a way that like if you really liked crawl and you couldn't get enough of it that you had like this extra little 40 minutes that you could watch but uh well i can't say that i really liked this when i was a child and now i'm watching it and it it's ruined because i never saw this when i was a child i wanted to but yeah. when I saw it, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more than that, the first time, 
no, I think this might have been this was a, a VHS rental right after college, I think. And I watched it and I remember liking it so much. And now I watch it. You know, I, I got it on DVD, watched it. And, and now I'm watching it. And I'm just like, what? I don't remember it being this boring. I don't rem- I mean, this is a completely <laughs> different movie I'm watching this time. Um, and it's the kind of thing I could put it on and, and work on something else, you know, and just have that visual on the screen in the background of whatever, you know, as I'm cleaning my office or something like that. Uh, cause there's, there's cool stuff on the screen, but as a movie, Evan, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no need to apologize, Ben. It's, I blame, uh, the people who made this thing not you that's harsh well okay so quickly let's we, we've talked about things we liked and didn't like and that kind of thing but let's talk about theme is there anything to pull out of this movie um steve you talked a little bit about the the, the marriage stuff yeah um well i i like that theme steve that you said where it's they i mean because their their marriage is like a super strong bond and they're I'm like and if you know, they haven't spent too much time together. I mean, their vows and what they were doing, that's pretty much what's holding it all together. Yeah. And their love for each other. So I, uh, I liked that. I did. And their love for each other creates a hand fire weapon that allows them to kill the beast and blast a hole in the wall so they can escape in time. I wish that's how it was in real life. Yeah. Man. (laughs) Yeah, it <laughs> happened in this movie. My my wife's in the room and she just heard me say that I wish that's how it was in real life. But she didn't hear the whole part about the the fire weapon hand that marriage creates where you can kill stuff. <laughs> she didn't watch it with so, you. Yeah, no, no, she did not. We were talking yeah, about magic yeah. fire weapons, babe, not. Uh, <laughs> not sweeping romance. Oh, man. <laughs> Tis unfortunate. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. Well, it just maybe it's a good thing. You know, you have you have that MacGuffin-y kind of thing. You have the weapon that's going to save the day. In fact, he's told the weapon is going to save the day. You know, and so he gets the glaive, fights the beast, and the glaive is not even what he uses to win. And it's just this so such a cool, cool weapon, such a cool, cool object. And maybe there's some lesson in that where don't focus in on the object. Just, you know, don't focus in on the object, but um, you need to be focusing in on the people or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. But I expected the weapon to be something more. Even though I've seen this movie two or three times, I still (laughs) I forgot the glaive does not come out until the very end of the movie cut open a wall and then not kill the beast. Well, and then also it like a minute and a half to cut open a wall too. Yeah. And also all he does is throw it once. And then it's like flying around on its own, going back and forth on its own. Yeah, but he's controlling it. He's controlling it. It's a, it's a force thing. You can see he's, he's like doing his hand out. Um, yeah. So he, he breaks open the wall and then he uses it. So he's, he's controlling it to cut open the wall and then he controls it. He throws it to, cause a, a cave in and then he throws it to fight the beast and it's like he's he's flinging it around the beast and the beast is shooting his weapon uh, the the breath fire ball things um yeah it, it just for such a cool weapon 
thing should have been out every every five minutes. That thing should have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it, it, and that's the thing too. It's like he said, you know, only use it, and you'll know when you need to use it. And, mm-hmm. and then it's sort of like, oh, a wall. I I need to use it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that thing could have killed the spider. That thing could have. Yeah. Killed all the little changeling dudes and the and all the stormtroopers. Yeah, he could have Come thrown on. it like the, like Captain America's shield and have it like you know bam 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 like take out six at a time. I just don't know why they they chose to write the movie this way that the thing doesn't get used. And it, you know what the sense that I get is that they had the movie and they said why don't you put like some you know weapon or you know that like the. Uh, the uh, you know Joseph Campbell's Heroes Quest thing, you know, you have to find that magic weapon or something. And they were like, "Well, we have the fire and the hand." No, 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 no. Something like you know that they can use at the beginning of the like some sort of a thing. And then oh, like a like a lightsaber instead of not not a lightsaber. Have it like like a like a you know like a like a throwing star or something, but not a throwing star. And then they just came up with that, and they're just like something like this. Yeah, yeah. Put that in the film somewhere. And well, they were just like, what? No, that's not the sense that I get at all from the behind the scenes stuff that I uh, well, watched years ago. The back of the DVD, it said the movie is a combination of Star Wars and Excalibur. So I'm sure this was his Excalibur. Yep. He pulls it out of the, the special place. Only he can pull it because apparently he's the only person who can reach into boiling hot lava. <laughs> yeah, you know. No, I mean, that was the intent was they wanted to do a King Arthur kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. So that's <laughs> okay. Well, let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> and I think it's, it's time to, to shut the books on, on crawl. I don't know what we're going to do next for the next retro movie mission. I, I hope it won't be as long before we get to another one, but it does take a little bit of time for us to coordinate the movie viewing. So, well, Ben, do you have options? Usually we pick the next one. I know, but I don't really have any options at my fingertips uh, I got right two. now. You do? I do. If you want to, I can vaguely describe them and you can pick one. Well, let's, let's hear the vague description. Okay, I got two. So here's the first one. It is an adaption of a literary masterpiece. Okay. Sounds and, horrible. Okay. And then number two, it is a uh, take maybe on a Frankenstein sort of story. Okay, so are these movies you've seen? Yes. Are they movies they are, that we've seen? I don't know. I'm pretty sure you haven't seen one of them. Okay, all right. Uh, are they sci-fi fantasy? Yeah. Both of them are? For sure. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Um, huh, I don't know. Steve? You know, like it's sort of like I'm leaning towards the uh, the adaption of the great classic thing, but then I'm thinking to myself, if it's an adaption of a great classic thing, it's probably horrible. So I'm I'm going to lean towards the Frankenstein. Uh, hmm. Okay. Well, let's go with that then, Evan. <laughs> okay. What is it? What you do have, we? You have you have selected Pokemon the first movie. Yeah, I've not seen that. Great. What was the other one? The Page Master. That's not a. That's not a literary. Which one's a literary masterpiece? The Page Master. It has several literary masterpieces adapted within one movie. Oh, I have seen neither of these movies. 
Mm. Uh, Are these easy to get to? Uh, I think you can rent them on iTunes. Okay, so we're paying money to these people. Pagemaster I've seen part of, but it wasn't, I mean, it was just as I was walking in and out of the room when I was working at a, a home for troubled, troubled boys. So about 20 years ago. Okay. But we're doing Pokemon, the first movie. Which is the most solid of all the Pokemon movies. So if you don't like this one, you won't like any of them. <laughs> all right. Ah, that's selling it. Steve, you ready for this, man? Nope. <laughs> oh man. Oh, All right, looking man. forward to it, guys. This should be fun. If you say so. I do. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, as we venture off and fly away into the sunset of two suns on the planet, um, in our great it's big giant fortress. Uh, I don't even know what our ship and looks how like. Come but... Nobody had two shadows. Yeah. It has two suns. It's like Tatooine and this planet have the same problem. It doesn't have two shadows. Oh, man. <clears throat> Sorry. All right, let's get out of here. We're going to fly away now in our ship. That... Is there a sound effect for that? No, but <laughs> just, just vague <laughs> verbal descriptions of what we are doing um, that probably aren't uh, consistent, but yeah, let's do it. So thanks, guys. Thanks for for watching Crawl. With Thank me. you. I You're really, welcome. I really thought this was going to be a more triumphant type of thing, but oh well. Ah. <laughs> and everyone Sorry. else, thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. And uh, looks like we're going to be watching some Pokemon in the few months here. Got to so, catch them all. Or Yay. just this first one. thanks for listening and godspeed and Aliens Retro Movie Mission, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve McDonald, and Evan David, Pastor Jason O'Neill Emeritus. Our music is Gold Coast by Jens Kielstofte, available at machinimasound.com. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You may also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com or interact with us at facebook.com slash strangers, or you may leave us a voicemail at the Strangers and Aliens hotline, 1-800-4-37-ALIEN. And once again, thanks for listening.